Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, may we recognize that you are Almighty God. And as we recognize that, help us to be challenged in our relationship with you as individuals and as a church. Lord, this morning as we continue to look at the church in the book of Acts, Lord, in the amazing things that you did through those people who simply surrendered themselves to be used by you. Lord, may you allow us to impact our world for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you were here last week, uh, we began, and it's just going to be a couple weeks. If you're new to Hannaford, we have what we call the fall kickoff, and for the last Last week was the third year we've had it at, at Kleffner. And, and one of the things that we do is, is we celebrate what God has done. We thank him for his faithfulness and we look forward to what God will continue to do. And as I look back over the last year, um, and this being a yearly look back, as I look back over the last year to see all the amazing work that God has done in our church family in our community and how God has had us have a a part here in Helena and around the world. I am so grateful for his faithfulness, his goodness. And we looked last week and we're going to add a second week to it just as we look at the first chapters of the book of Acts. Some of the characteristics of that church church that started there in Jerusalem, and it turned its world upside down. And there were some characteristics that were evident in that church that that need to be evident in each church, that need to be evident in Hannaford. And, And I see God doing amazing things here, and I am so grateful, but the challenge is continual for us to continue to have an impact in our community and in our world. And we need to strive to embody some of these characteristics here in our church. Look with me at Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 40 through 47. We see an overview sort of in the middle of this section of of all these amazing things that are going on. Luke, the author of Acts, just sort of steps back and gives us a little snapshot of what's happening there in the church. It says, beginning in verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This church grew in amazing ways. We can do some early church math in these first chapters of Acts. Look at some of the early church math. There we read in verse 41, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day 3,000 souls were added to them. 
In verse 47 that we read, the last part, it says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You go to Acts chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. They actually stopped counting and just said, Multitudes. And then Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, it said, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, it was expanding so rapidly that they had to go from addition to multiplication. I mean, there were thousands of people were coming to Jesus Christ. And it started with a small group of people that prayed together and asked for God's direction, His Holy Spirit to work in their lives. And then they boldly proclaimed the Word of Christ and lived the love of Christ. And it drew people. People around them were saying, What's, these are unlearned people. These are, these are people without all the, the letters after their name. All these things. These are just common everyday folks who loved Jesus Christ and changed the world. And so as we looked at last week, we saw that the church was spirit-led. It was prayer-driven and it was selfless as they served each other and served the world around them. There are some other characteristics that I'd like to look, us to look at today that allowed that church to have such an impact. We see that, it, and we use the term be, what are we called to be? We see that we are to be Bible-centered. Notice what it said as we read in verse 42 of Acts 2. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The apostles' doctrine, it was the idea of, of studying the Word of God. Now, they only had the Old Testament Scriptures at that time. But they were studying, and as, as Jesus Christ shared, and as the apostles were sharing, they were learning more and more about God and spending time studying Him. And, and we have the opportunity to do that and study His Word. The Bible needs to be the center of all that we teach. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is powerful and as we allow it to influence and affect us, it changes us to be more like Jesus Christ. Remember working with children, I had a little saying, and it's not original with me, but I loved it, and, and I won't do the scary part. And it wasn't scary for the children either, but uh, we always talked about how the Word of God goes in through our eyes, it goes in through our ears, it goes down into our heart, and it, and then you say it really loudly, changes our life, and they all jump. But God's Word changes our life. We need to be students of the Word of God. We need to see the Word of God come into our lives and change us as we study it. Psalm 119 reminds us that the Bible is to be our guide. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As individuals and as a church, we need to be diligent in studying God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, which, which is the Awana key verse 
says this, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, understanding and applying God's word in our life. God's word must be the center of all that we do. It will help us grow as individuals, and it will help us impact our world as a church. If the Bible is not the center of what we do, we can have the greatest programs, the nicest buildings, and it makes no difference. Our church needs to be Bible-centered. Not only that, our church needs to be unified in purpose. I have a little question for you here. When, were, when was the automobile first mentioned in the Bible? Anybody know? Yes, they were in one accord. Some of you will get that. that. That's sort of like one of those dad jokes. If you want to stay after service, I've got a hundred of them, and they're all just as bad as that one. I'll just share one more since we're dealing with engines and transportation. When were motorcycles first mentioned in the Bible? David rode his triumph through the valley. All right, yeah. Anyway, all right. Hopefully that's not the one thing you'll remember from this morning because it's not worth remembering. But I did give it for a purpose. You see, in the early chapters of the book of Acts, that phrase, one accord, is shared over and over. In fact, in chapter 4 alone, it's mentioned three times. Uh, and, and we go back to chapter 1, we see these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and mo the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. In chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Verse 46 of chapter 2, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Chapter 4, verse 24, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Chapter 5, verse 12, it says, And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Over and over the term, one accord. They were unified in purpose. Now, they were a diverse group of people. Think about even just the disciples themselves. And obviously, there were, there were, the church was expanding. There were thousands and thousands of people. But, but even in the disciples themselves, those 12 men, 11 after Judas uh, committed suicide, and then they added a guy named Matthias, as we read here in the first chapters of the book of Acts. But these 12 guys had diverse backgrounds, from fishermen to businessmen, but I, but I like to look at the example of, of two specifically, Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector, both of them part of the 12 that followed Jesus for his little over three-year ministry. The Zealots, they were the radicals. They were the anti-Roman revolutionaries. And Matthew the tax collector... He was a guy that was on the payroll of Rome and supported Rome. And one of the people that was hated by the zealots. And those two guys, completely diverse in background, 
put their backgrounds aside because they saw they had a much greater purpose to serve God together. As I watch what's taking place at Hannaford Street and, and God's work, part of that is due to the fact that we are unified in purpose. And you should be commended because for each one of us, there are things in the church that probably don't get us as excited as may get other people excited. There's different things that are our passions. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different styles. But yet to step back and say, yeah, we're going to do this because it may not excite me, this specific thing, but yet I know it's such a benefit to other people. And to be willing to be selfless, as we talked about last week. To be able to say, what, what can we do to, to encourage and help reach more people? may even take us out of our comfort zone a little bit. But to do that in order to be used by God to worship or to, uh, to reach the world, to worship, grow, and share. That's our church motto or our vision statement what we're called to do, our mission statement. What is our mission? If you look at the, of the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, you can break it down into basically three things the church is called to do, to worship, to grow, and to share. Worship. Psalm 29.2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. We are created to worship God. Our lives are to be an instrument of worship. Psalm 95 tells us to come and worship the Lord our Maker. Revelation 14, 6 and 7 says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. William Temple put it this way, Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. Romans 12 and verse 1 tells us that our lives are to be a sacrifice of worship. And so as individuals, we were created to worship our Creator. And as a church, we are called to worship Him. In every aspect of what we do as individuals, as every, in every aspect of what we do as a church family, we are called to worship God to praise Him for who He is, to thank Him for what He has done. We are called to worship. One of the names that this gathering is called is a worship service. As individuals, we worship God, but we're called to corporately come together in worship. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do, but instead encouraging one another as you see the day approaching. We are gathering together to worship God. And this hour should be a reflection of the other 167 hours of our week. 
Our whole life is to be worship. We're to be worshipers. And as a church, we're called to worship. We're also called to grow. The Apostle Paul challenged the church at Ephesus to work together and to grow. Notice what it says in verses 11 through 16 of Ephesians 4. It says, And he himself, that's God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect, and that word means a mature man or person, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried along with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all, thing, or in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What's that saying? God gives us different gifts, and we're to use those together to edify the church, to allow us to grow, to be more like Jesus Christ, to mature. And we can't do that alone. We need each other. And so Paul was challenging them to to step up and serve one another to use the gifts so the church can grow together and individuals can grow. We call, we use the term in the church, we use the term discipleship. In its simplistic form, it means to be more like Jesus Christ. A disciple follows in the steps of their rabbi, their leader. Our leader is Jesus Christ and we need to be more like him. And as a church family, we encourage and challenge each other and help each other as we strive as individuals to be more like Jesus Christ. That's why we encourage you to to be involved, not just coming Sunday morning, but to be involved in in a way of serving and also to be involved in a smaller group, whether it be a connect group or an accountability group or a men's or women's ministry thing. Something to be able to, to grow together, to encourage each other in a small group format. And that is important as is coming together on Sunday morning and serving one another. We won't grow the way that we need to grow if we're not serving. Serving doesn't just help the people that we're serving, it helps us as servers. And we're called to grow. And we are to challenge each other and encourage each other in our relationship with Christ. We're to be disciple makers and we're to be disciples. And we also see that the church there in Acts and our church also is called to share. We're to be witnesses for Christ. Luke 19.10, why did Jesus come? Here's what it says, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to provide a way of salvation and we're to share that hope. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We call that the Great Commission. And actually in each of the four Gospels, 
there is a version of this great commission. And then in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and we touched on it last week just a little bit, the idea is Jesus Christ went up to heaven. It says that we're to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He was talking to a group there in Jerusalem. They were to be a witness for Jesus Christ in their community, in their region, and in their world. And we have that same calling to be witnesses for Jesus Christ to the world around us, whether it be our neighbor or a person who lives on the other side of this planet. We're called to be witnesses. Share our story. Sharing the gospel can be, can be scary. But just share what God's done in your life. Or be an Andrew. It's, it's interesting as you look at Andrew. He's one of the disciples. In, in, the, in the Gospels, it seems like every time Andrew is brought out or, or noticed, he's bringing someone to Jesus. Whether it's his brother, whether it's the little boy with the fishes, where his people around him have said, come and see, come and see, come and see. Let me tell you, let me show you about this Jesus. We need to share. We need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be a great commission church. Sharing the gospel and then growing in Christ. And we see another B, and there are many more, but we'll stop with this one, be bold. The church there in Acts demonstrated boldness in the face of intense persecution. The word boldness was often used describing that church. We see in chapter 4, it was repeated three times. Verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Peter and John had been arrested for sharing the gospel, and these people that saw them were amazed at their boldness. Verse 29 of Acts chapter 4, now, now, Lord, look on their threats. They're praying, and this is their prayer. Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And I'd like to stop there for just a second. What did they pray for? They were just threatened with persecution, whether it be jail time or worse. And what did they pray for? I don't know about you, but I know what I'd be praying for. Lord, just keep me safe. Help those people to be nice. That's not what they prayed for. They prayed for boldness to continue to share the gospel, to continue to impact their world when persecution came. Whoa. That gives a little part of the reason why they turn their world upside down. Notice what happens in chapter 4 and verse 31, the third time here in chapter 4 that boldness is mentioned. It says, and when they had prayed, so they prayed there in verses 29 and 30, and says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We need to be bold. 
We need to stand for Christ. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to focus on what's most important. We're to fulfill our purpose of worship, grow, and share. We need to trust God for direction and protection. And we need to understand that all that is done is for His glory and through His power. It may mean that we step out and do things that seem hard or even impossible. But we can trust God in order to make a difference. So as we think about it and as I watch what God has done, and I am so grateful for his faithfulness through the church here, through the family. It's not a building. Our church is a group of people. Imperfect Christ followers that want to share the love of Jesus Christ and the hope of salvation to a world that needs him. A group of imperfect Christ followers who desire to encourage each other in our individual relationship with Christ. To weep with those who weep and to celebrate or rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what we're called to do and to be. We are to be spirit-led. We are to be prayer-driven. We are to be selfless. We are to be Bible-centered. We are to be unified in purpose. And we are to be bold. And so I trust that you will be praying with me that as we look forward to another year, that God would use us for his glory. So would you stand with me and let's pray. Father, we first want to thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that as Almighty God, you care about us. Lord, that no matter our circumstances, that we can have confidence that you walk with us through the highest mountaintop, but also through the deepest valley. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to this church. Lord, we are imperfect, but Lord, it's amazing how you can use us to spread your kingdom. As we sang about this morning, to spread your kingdom here. That is our prayer, that you would use us. Lord, as we look forward to the days and months ahead, We're realizing we don't know how much time is left, but Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to fulfill the purpose that you have called us to fulfill, to worship you, to grow, and to share. Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to stand unashamedly on the word of God. And Lord, help us to work together and walk together to serve your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.